Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, podcast listeners at VMware. Welcome back to Poonin 360. This is our new podcast series, which uh, serves you folks in the field with insights and uh I've been uh, really happy to do these in the last few series. This one's probably one of the most exciting ones. I say that about every one of them, but nonetheless. This one, we're going to talk about the architects of this nine-figure deal, $150 million-plus deal that was done, the biggest in VMware history. Uh, and I'm here with James Greenway, David Parsons, and Gregory Johnson, three fabulous individuals who were involved in architecting this deal. And I'd like to talk with them today as to how they basically skinned this tiger, hunted the whale, whatever it is, okay? So, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on my show. Uh, and, James, I'm going to start with you. Maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, who DXC is and some of the key highlights of this deal. Absolutely. Thank you, Sanjay, for the opportunity to talk about this first kind of agreement valued over $100 million. We really appreciate the uh, forum to talk. Real quickly, DXC is a combination or merger of legacy HP uh, Enterprise Services, their outsourcing division, and CSC. Together, they merged to form DXC, which is one of the two largest outsourcing companies in the world, one of our key strategic partners. Interestingly enough, both partners brought a separate set of challenges and, quite honestly, opportunities to the table. HPS had a real challenge with us on our consumption model. Our, our static legacy ELA model didn't really fit into their vision for utility and Obviously, they have a very volatile business model as customers come and go. And CSC had some similar challenges around eroding market share, eroding margins, and so forth. So working along with uh, the Great Alliance team, we, we helped build a very compelling solution set consisting of a brand-new private cloud services based on vSphere, NSX, vCN, and vRealize operations, along with a very, very rich and developing public cloud service portfolio based on the hybridity cloud services, Amazon, AirWatch, Horizon. And to tie this all together, the DCT team and Gregory helped us build a consumption model that helped address those needs so they had the flexibility and utility to consume these new, these new offerings to be very you know, competitive in the marketplace. Awesome, James. I'm very, very excited to hear. Uh, and clearly it took a partnership. You know, it's funny when you think about this. I When Pat offered the big award and we were always dreaming about this nine-figure deal, I had no... Uh, even the slightest inkling uh, that it would be an SI that would be the first one. I would have thought it's going to be a bank or a telco. Now, David, this is your bailiwick. You run the SI. So I think you actually worked for CSE, which is a component of BXC before. So you know them pretty well. And, you know, some of the success factors here um, that made this an ingredient, you were very intimately involved. What were some of those key factors you think that were important to the success of this deal? Yeah, Sanjay, uh, thanks, and uh, you know, big hats off you know, to James, Bob Milrad, and David Tompkins, who were really the, the heart and soul of the pursuit team. But, yeah, contextually, as you know, every deal needs a catalyst. The catalyst was the, the formation of the merged company in April, and then the compelling event was VMworld. Uh, and the reason that was a compelling event was the PR opportunity it presented 
to uh, DXT's leadership. Now, we had a you know, strong exec relationship with CSC, CEO, CFO, and other offering execs that, that made their way into the new entity. There were also a few key HPES execs that James had worked with in the past that made their way in. So we had a very strong uh, bond and, and level of trust and uh, insight there. But even more importantly, perhaps, perhaps DXC's CEO and board of director insights that we were able to glean from a relationship that we had with McKinsey who advised the merger, uh, particularly around the build, sell, deliver, op model, which they were using to form and construct the new company. Uh, and the goal, of course, was to build out a, a world-class portfolio of next-generation digital transformation services to, to win back client goodwill and to build out their next-generation portfolio. And, and based upon that, you know, the, the CEO merger thesis in day one close mandate was to accelerate the build out of these services, reduce their IT service delivery costs via automation, it was called out specifically, to expand their margins, enable growth, and to enhance speed and agility of the organization. Some of the standard you know, strategic statements. But when it was all said and done, there were three factors. One is we have a very tight you know, 360 engagement model you know, within, within how we pursue these CISOs, aligned with Pete's team, Dockery's team. James was the client exec, and we had Bob Tompkins or Bob uh, Milrat and David Tompkins on the partner side. And they were supported by a tremendous technical team, Jason Kearns, Zayed Gary, and then Gregory was masterful on the finance side in, in leading that team. And lastly, was a vehicle on a business planning side to aggregate the demand through a multi-year business planning effort aligned to the offerings. So overall, a, a world-class effort, uh, a VMware Village team effort, uh, and a great outcome. Awesome, David, very exciting. Congratulations to you two. And I know being an insider inside CSC and now DXC from the past, uh, you were instrumental in making that happen. Well, Gregory, I'm delighted to be uh, talking with you. He's actually sitting right next to me here uh, in the studio. And, and you've been here with VMware like, you know, a dozen years. Just before the show, I got to catch up a little bit with Gregory. Coming back from VMworld, he said it was the best ever. That's awesome. But you're the CFO of the Americanist organization. I'm sure everyone and their brothers trying to kind of carve up this deal various different ways. You have to kind of work with the team to create the demand curve, financially engineer it. Take, take us through a little bit of the anatomy with what's going on there to build up the demand and the way in which this deal was constructed to justify them spending nine figures. Because someone like you on the other end of this is approving the deal. Correct. Thank you, Sanjay. So uh, the, the key takeaway around the demand generation process now, the three areas that I would say are imperative for success is identification of the historical spend and how do we extrapolate that forward. Where is VMware from a share of wallet perspective today? So if you look at the IT spend within an organization, what percentage are we? How relevant are we? And the third component is once we have that data, how do we become a true partner to a customer, a CISO, whoever the end user is, to grow our share of wallet? And those three components around the demand generation process is really what was implemented very early on in this opportunity and drove you know, the $150 plus million transaction. Because if we look at you know, our five key areas from compute to management to network to storage to end user computing, if customers are fully in on VMware, it's an opportunity for us to grow that share of wallet within the customer base. And then the other area that I think is imperative to highlight is the importance of the beehive. So when I say beehive, it's the terminology around what is the cross-functional team at VMware that helped drive a transaction of this size 
There's a couple individuals I really want to highlight here from Zach Garrison, who was instrumental on the demand generation process, the due diligence both backwards and forwards, to the deal desk and legal teams from Rick Bianchi, Ashley Coolins, and Greg Diamond, who really helped support us from every component of the transaction. Because very early on in the process, we had executives from DXC involved who were willing to support doing something of size from a partnership stature with VMware, but it was imperative that we work through their key asks and drive them. And Gregory, let me just kind of follow up there a little bit. So for each of these key products that made up the initiative, this private cloud, NSX, or management, or end user computing, the team working this had to go and build a demand curve for what potential DXC or their clients, because ultimately you're serving a customer, would need of those Correct. products, right? Mm -hmm. There was a demand curve that filled it up that could help you justify Correct. ultimately the nine-figure deal. We had to demonstrate How long did that take? Uh, that process in and of itself was 12 to 18 months. This right. is an elongated Building up process. That demand. Absolutely. We need to Lots demonstrate how we can deliver for our customers. That's Absolutely. awesome. And that's what I'd encourage you. If you want to do this over and over again for you the sales reps, you want to be building up. It's not just stuffing. It's very easy to say, oh, just let me stuff my product into a big ELA. But when you build that demand curve, now it gets to be you know, a reasonable effort over that course of 12 to 18 months. So coming back to you, James. Um, you know, if you're the CEO of Mike Lowry or, you know, you're kind of talking about this deal, how does what we've done with them help Mike Lowry and his executive team realize his vision? Oh, absolutely. It's a great question, Sanjay. And it kind of comes back to the three lessons I think we learned during this deal. One, you know, we had to be very aligned to what DXC's goals, and we were fortunate enough to attend one of their uh, executive conferences, and we were under, able to understand that they were, you know, had a roading market share. They were, had a big initiative to reduce their cost of goods. Uh, that they were going to make a significant conversion from a CapEx-based methodology to OpEx, and that we, you know, they were allowing us the opportunity to challenge their current thinking and think differently. And so by aligning our you know, new delivery model, our new offerings, our, and to Gregory's point, our way to partner, you know, we were able to align to those business outcomes better than we ever had before, which made a significant difference. And to David's point earlier, you know, it enabled David to have those very key, you know, discussions with key leadership and, you know, CEOs and the board regarding, hey, this, we're going to drive significant value. There's a significant addressable market opportunity. You have a large estate. If That's we were to focus on this estate and upsell, here's the incremental op opportunity. And by the way, that number is north of $500 million. And what was fascinating is a less, another lesson learned, due to our due diligence and just persistence, they yeah. end up sharing with us their entire inventory asset database, it, 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 this 50 megabyte mega file that was basically right. you know, their uh, you know, CMDB that's you know, gold. And by being able to model off of that, we were able to demonstrate that if they were to leverage the new services by converting these to the public services or the subscription services or upselling new private cloud services, you know, this was the incremental opportunity. The margin yeah. would grow and they would gain market share. And, and my last thing, just to, to add in there is I cannot emphasize enough, you know, we have the DCT, you know, most people probably know as a deal desk. I was not even familiar with this, this specific DCT resource, the, you know, superstar deal desk individuals. They were amazing. They were absolutely Great. critical. Lots to getting and the lots deal of done. heroes here. Oh, I mean, yeah. Fantastic. Don't mean to be cutting you off. I'm kind of coming up on the end of, of our show here. So, David, very quickly, I want to wrap up with two questions, one to you and to Gregory. Okay, so everyone's going to be jealous of this deal. Do you think this is possible with other SIs, nine-figure deals of this kind? David? We may have lost David. Okay, Gregory, 
I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I was just saying that I, no, I do not think it's an anomaly. I do think it's uh, possible uh, you know, to close similar kind of deals, leveraging the deal shaping principles, uh, you know, particularly given our two-in-the-box focus. Uh, I want to highlight you know, as well Ryan Gray's role, Dave Klusak. Uh, as we get together and work as a team, a unified team, and that was key to this whole structure as well as the engagement right. was the unification of uh, bringing the best of VMware to the client uh, engagement. And so I think at, at the end of the day, the announcement we made at VMworld uh, sent shockwaves through the IT industry, services industry, around the notion of managed hybrid cloud services, at migration services, uh, with the industry domain expertise of DXC. And, and there is no doubt that we have now raised the bar and I can assure you, just based upon the discussions at VMworld last week, uh, that there will be others. Uh, That's great. You know, in, I'm looking in, forward. In I'm not going to hold you to it, guys, but I'm going to have you uh, think about other ones that we can do, I'm sure, among SIs, banks, telcos. Gregory, let me finish with you. Uh, obviously, one of the comical aspects of this was the uh, the fact that we're going to send people to Hawaii and Pat's going to cook dinner. What's on your menu list, man? I think we're in the process of compiling that menu list. I think we're open to all different types of cuisine. What's your favorite food? I got asking you. I, I love barbecue, so we'll see what. Uh, That's an easy one. You I, gotta I, make well, it you got to give Pat something that we're confident that he's going to. Oh, execute okay, on. I like that. Okay, Pat, you're the, the 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 gauntlet is out. They want you to do something that's pretty easy, and then they'll build up from there. Well, gentlemen, we're out of time. I could have gone on for a half an hour with you guys. That opportunity will exist, I'm sure, at some field kickoff enablement session where you will go into a lot more detail. Um, for this show. Thank you very much. And for listeners, I hope you got a quick sense on your podcast here of how this deal came about. Contact any of these three individuals. They're wonderful people who can give you more detail. And we'll see you at the next Poonin 360. Thank you very much. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.